This is a podcast from China Daily Hong Kong. Thanks for tuning in to an edition of Story Spotlight, where we engage with a CDHK reporter and dive deeper into a recently published story which drew a buzz. In the first part of a two-part series, I'll be speaking to senior counsel, law professor, and former director of public prosecutions of Hong Kong, Grenville Cross, to get his insight on the recent electoral reform in Hong Kong. Grenville, thanks for coming onto the podcast to chat. Thank you very much. Thank you. Grenville unpacks why he believes Beijing felt it necessary for the reform to be implemented following the 2019 social unrest, recent behavior of some members of the opposition to undermine the country, and why some Western countries are in no position to be throwing stones in a glass house. The electoral revamp that happened recently, the promulgation of the national security law for Hong Kong,、uh, together with the implementation of the electoral reform in the city, are intended to help plug loopholes that open the way for. Antagonistic politics. What loopholes do you see in Hong Kong system, and how effective do you think this double punches, as it's been put, that many people have referred to with the national security law and these the electoral reform? How will this plug in into the loopholes? Well, Hong Kong, of course, has been through a very traumatic period、uh, in in recent times,、uh, and the democratic、uh, experiment itself、uh, was being threatened. And undermined by people who didn't see it as a great opportunity, but rather saw it、uh, as a means of undermining China. I mean, many of these people actually paid lip service to Hong Kong, but they were using one country, two systems,、uh, in order to paralyze the governance of the city, to uh, uh, to ensure that、uh, important legislation could not be passed, and indeed to pursue the foreign policy、uh, agendas of、uh, powers elsewhere. It has to be remembered that when China and the、uh, United Kingdom signed the、uh, the Sino-British Joint Declaration in 1984.、Uh, there were no elections to the Legislative Council.、Uh, all the Legislative Councillors were appointed by the British Governor,、uh, and the Joint Declaration actually said very little、uh, about elections. I mean, some of the foreign powers, United States, United Kingdom, and so on, are now saying that、uh, the electoral revamp which is taking place is a violation of the Joint Declaration. But if you actually go to the joint declaration, the substantive part of it actually says nothing、uh, about elections.、Uh, but if you go to the uh, the the, uh, the appendix, which was、uh, reflected the Chinese government's position, it was indicated there that、uh, the future Legislative Council would be constituted by elections.、Uh, and so it was that、uh, after 1997,、uh, we saw that、uh, electoral reform gradually took place,、uh, and, and of course the、uh, Chinese made clear. Uh, in the joint, in the basic law, which、uh, which gave effect to the uh, to the uh, joint declaration、uh, and indeed expanded upon it, that the Chinese committed themselves through the through the basic law to providing、uh, universal suffrage for the election for both the chief executive and for the legislative council. This was astonishing because this was this wasn't part of what had been agreed with, with the British in the joint declaration. This was taking things far further.、Uh, but it was always going to be an experiment. I think that's、uh, that's an important point to make because if, for example, one、uh, compares the Hong Kong Basic Law with the Basic Law of the Macau Special Administrative Region, then there was no such aspiration、uh, in Macau towards universal suffrage. It was only done for Hong Kong. Initially, things went relatively well、uh, in 1998.、Uh, uh, Twenty of the legislative councillors were elected by geographical constituencies. This was progressively increased,、uh, and by the year 2012, 35、uh, of the 70 legislative councillors were directly elected、uh, from the geographical constituencies. Which, of course, was was a huge change from the situation in 1984 when the joint declaration was agreed, when they were all appointed by the British governor. 
So we'd reached a situation within 28 years of that uh, having been signed, whereby half were elected directly from uh, geographical constituencies. Mm. But unfortunately, from that point on, things started to go wrong. Uh, uh, in 2014, the central government, in, in accordance with the uh, aspiration in the basic law that the chief executive should be uh, elected by universal suffrage, brought forward proposals so that the chief executive could be elected by universal suffrage for the first time uh, in the year 2017, which was an astonishing development. Uh, and obviously wholly unprecedented uh, in Hong Kong's history. However, unfortunately, some of the opposition uh, members in the, in the Legislative Council took a very narrow view of things. They felt it didn't go far enough, and they voted the whole thing down. So they not only killed off progress towards greater uh, democratization in the process for the Chief Executive, that also blocked any, any further progress in relation to the Legislative Council's uh, democratization uh, as well. So. Once that happened, obviously it was a setback, and then in the 2016 election there, was a, there, was a, there were further setbacks because people were elected uh, who didn't have the, the good of Hong Kong at heart uh, and were, were determined to use one country, two systems to try to harm the city uh, and undermine China at the same time by doing so. For example, some of them, when they were called upon to take their oaths of office uh, as, as uh, Legislative Council uh, members, they used the occasion to start uh, staging secessionist stunts they engaged in profanities, and they even tried to uh, humiliate the, the Chinese nation. Now, as regards some of those who did take the, uh, take the oath of office without uh, any particular problems at the time, many of them showed themselves subsequently to be wholly unsuited to elected office. Uh, th there were members there who uh, paralyzed the Legislative Council for months on end, stopped it, doing, stopped it performing as it's required to do under the basic law, who engaged in violence in the, uh, in the Legislative Council uh, council chamber uh, and even attacked the uh, Chief Executive uh, when, when the Chief Executive came uh, in the past to give policy addresses and to answer questions. And indeed the situation, as you may remember, recently got so bad that the current Chief Executive uh, had to stop going there at all because it was just turning into a bear house. Mm. It was mm -hmm. impossible for her to say anything uh, and she was in some, some physical danger. Right. And, of course, there were regularly violent incidents inside the Legislative Council itself uh, um, when staff and, uh, members of staff and others were injured as a result of the antics of mm. some opposition members. And those were the same opposition members who uh, brought things to a new low by, for example, throwing noxious substances around in the Legislative Council, uh, throwing uh, rotting plants uh, onto the floor. Uh, obviously, these people were making a mockery of democratic politics in Hong Kong. But things got even worse than that. Some of the legislative councillors, unfortunately, some of whom were lawyers and should have known far better, actually contacted foreign powers, contacted the United States, and urged them to impose hostile measures against Hong Kong uh, and to impose sanctions on Hong Kong officials and indeed mainland officials. Uh, and of course, having heard that, the United States duly did that. Uh, and these uh, um, hostile laws were then enacted as a result of which uh, Hong Kong's special trading status with the United States was lost, people's jobs were put in jeopardy, uh, and uh, uh, people were subjected to hostile sanctions. So quite clearly these were people uh, who were determined to undermine one country, two systems, uh, imagining that if they could do that, then it would harm China, which is what they really intended to do. But as I said at the outset, despite all that, uh, the central authorities have uh, retained faith in Hong Kong, uh, and uh, have agreed that the present system uh, should be maintained. I should say as well that many of those people I've been describing also gave their uh, 
their support, albeit qualified in some circumstances, to the depredations that were taking place on the streets uh, during the, the violent uh, insurrection. Mm. Uh, and they took every opportunity to condemn not the people who were causing the violence, but the police force who were actually trying to contain this violence and save the city. So against that background, it was obvious that something had to be done. Uh, and uh, now the mainland has stepped in and, uh, and uh, produced a system uh, in accordance with the basic law, which will give us some hope for the future uh, and which will give us a new direction in terms of our electoral, uh, electoral system. But at the same time, uh, uh, recognizing that uh, universal suffrage remains the aspiration uh, and that uh, the, uh, the pace of uh, development now is, uh, is, will, be, will be determined uh, in, in a new way. Right. But so far, like um, Western media, we've seen them portray the, some members, the leading opposition members, as um, champions of democracy um, who are being targeted as a result of this electoral change um, and the national security law. Um, do you think that's the case? And what is your understanding of the deeds uh, and their roles and what has occurred in Hong Kong over the last few years? Well, as I say, it's, it's been a great pity that the so-called champions of uh, democracy uh, and their supporters have, uh, have uh, brought a halt to the democratic process right. through their antics in the Legislative Council, by their, their support, tacit or otherwise, for the violence on the streets, and by actually, in some instances, engaging in violence themselves. But don't forget that uh, the, some Legislative Councils uh, have been held to account for violence within the Legislative Council chamber, uh, and others have actually been convicted of attacking police officers mm. uh, on the streets. So when these type of things happen, uh, it, uh, it uh, affects the standing of the entire democratic movement uh, and brings it into disrepute. Uh, and therefore, a new, new direction is now required. Obviously, if people have uh, transgressed the law, then they will be prosecuted, uh, not because of Beijing's say-so, but because the law of Hong Kong must be respected. And our prosecutors look at each case uh, and decide whether there is sufficient evidence to prosecute. Is there a reasonable prospect of conviction on the available evidence? Uh, and if there is, and it is in the public interest to prosecute, then people will, must expect to be prosecuted, mm. uh, even if they have powerful friends in other countries. Our rule of law is such that nobody is above the law mm. and that they must expect to be prosecuted if they break our law. And it doesn't matter who they are, how senior their position in society may be, or how important their foreign friends may be. They must expect to be prosecuted if they break the law of Hong Kong, and that is precisely what is happening. Of course, the, when they go to court, they will be tried by a fair judicial system, uh, and it will be up to the judges to decide uh, whether they are, are guilty or not, uh, according to the standard of proof which is applied throughout the common law world, namely, uh, is, the, is the court satisfied of guilt beyond reasonable doubt, which is a very high standard to achieve. Right. Yeah, would we be able to see that in UK Parliament, like members of opposition coming in, wearing a T-shirt saying, we're now a republic, and waving a flag of another country? And Well, so I mean, it, it, it may very occasionally happen, mm. but normally in other countries, people do respect their parliaments. Mm. Uh, they take oaths uh, of allegiance, for example, in England, to Her Majesty the Queen, uh, and they abide by their oaths, and, and they appreciate how far they can go and how far they can't go. They don't try to turn the democratic process uh, into a mockery, uh, and they don't work with foreign powers to try and hurt their own country. But this is exactly what has happened here. This is what has brought our democratic experiment into disrepute uh, and has necessitated a change of direction. That's all for this segment, guys. Tune into part two next week, where I'll continue our discourse with Grenville Cross. Until next time, stay healthy.